Welcome to the Bible Feed Podcast, a place for conversations about the Bible and faith in the modern world, where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better. Let's get started. So welcome to the Bible Feed Podcast. My name is Dan Weatherall, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Bible and history in this episode. And it's uh, with me, it's Paul, Paul Danport. Hi, Paul. Hi, Dan. Are we with you um, again? Yeah, good. And we we sort of nattered on in an earlier episode, didn't we, about the Bible and history. Um, actually, it's it was episode seven, so it's quite a long time ago now. Okay, and in our we, early days. That's right, yeah. yeah. And we uh, talked about King Hezekiah, didn't we? Yeah. And we sort of used that as a test case to think about how the Bible intersects with history. Uh, what you know the interface yep. between between history and what really happened and the bible and things like that so so we're going to do that again and you're going to lead us through some well another test case really um, yeah i think that's could describe yeah. it as that it's, uh, yeah. it's, it, we're focusing on the city of tyre that's right yeah so where's tyre paul well it is on the coast the mediterranean coast um, yeah you know, Israel, Palestine, um, it's Lebanon today, I think. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. So if you think of the coast, kind of follows a nice smooth line and there's this little knobble that's Mount Carmel, halfway up, and it's, it's a little bit north of that. A bit further up there. Yeah, on the coast. Nice, pleasant Mediterranean sort of climate. Yeah. 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 Something we can only dream of right now. <laughs> uh, good. So we're going to talk about Tyre. What, so what's Tyre and Tyre in the context of some prophecy? Because, the, I mean probably fair to say Tyre isn't a major place in the Bible. I mean, it comes up quite yeah. a few times, doesn't it? But it's not it's not Jerusalem, is it? Or it's not the Babylonians or that sort of thing. But but yeah, there's some very specific things said about Tyre, aren't there? So we're going to be thinking through some of those. Yeah, uh, it, it probably appears in, in two sort of episodes, really, in, um, in the history of the region that we'll come on to. But, you know, it, it, was, ma- it was a major place, a trading centre for, um, for a couple of centuries. Yeah, okay. Good. So you, I know you've got some uh, important reference work to sort of kick us off with, um, to sort of really feed into what we're going to be assessing. So do you want to... Uh, absolutely, think? yes. We're, we're going to start with a uh, an important source of information about life in the ancient world, in the Roman world, and that is uh, the uh, the books of Asterix, the Gaul. So <laughs> so when I say, Dan, have you read Asterix? It makes it sound like, you know, have you, have you studied... In an I, academic way. I have. I can't say I've taken uh, any degree in, in the works of Asterix, but absolutely, I must. I must have pored over them many an hour when I was young. Yeah. Um, so why why Asterix? So, so, so this is Asterix. Asterix the Gaul. You know the the indomitable Gaulish village um, yep. that holds out against the uh, the Roman legions. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's about fifty BC, I think. So it's the time of Julius Caesar, the height of of the Roman. Roman power, you know, it's expanding, it's dominant. Mm. Um, and there's this little village of, uh, of Gauls with their magic potion yep. uh, that gives them um, superhuman strength yep. uh, that get is holding out against Getafix. Yeah. 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 Unhygienics, the, uh, the fishmonger, <laughs> I think. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And Roman centurions like uh, Nebulus, Nimbus, <laughs> uh, all, all play a part. So it's, you know, it's, it's actually quite frightening that sometimes I'll think about something to do with the ancient world and think, didn't didn't it work like this? Didn't it? And then I realised, ah, oh, actually, that's something I've read in <laughs> Asterix, <laughs> the Gaul. <laughs> Might need to check your source yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but is, they're also full of um, of 
plays on words and you know English words and, and Latin phrases and you know, really really clever plays on words that uh, um, which I probably didn't get well I know I didn't get when yeah. I was a kid um, so you know they continue to uh, it's a gift that keeps on giving uh, into adulthood um, those books absolutely yeah so why asterisks and tire what what's the well <laughs> <laughs> well one of one of the stories is asterisks and the black gold it's something to do with oil and um, and asterisks and and his uh, and his friend Obelix uh, are on a mission uh, to find some oil, and uh, and they've hitched a hitched a ride in the ship of um, their Phoenician friend, Economic Crisis, um, and uh, and they're approaching Tyre, city of Tyre, and Obelix as his his. Uh, won't is hungry and tired and uh, and the lookout says don't tire now here comes tire um well, I, I mean these books were originally written in french so i have no idea how that yeah. kind of play on words works in french don't know there's some further study to do there which, yeah uh, but yeah okay so tire <laughs> yeah. crops up in this book so so this is the roman times of the roman sort of yeah the, you know just before the roman empire isn't it with Julius Caesar, sort of that period of time, and Tyre is there as a trading port in the book Asterix and the Black and the Black Gold. Mm-hmm. So, so that's so. Why is that relevant then to what we read in the Bible about yeah. Tyre in in the, some of the prophecies? Yeah. It's, so, so uh, bringing this back to uh, more more sensible things, it, it, it's it's important because, or it's interesting because there is a prophetic oracle, prophetic text in uh, the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, uh, in chapter 26, and it's about Tyre, uh, and it says that this city would be overthrown uh, and that it would suffer a terrible downfall. And it it uses phrases and language like it would be scraped bare like a rock and and wouldn't be rebuilt. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, the Babylonian, other nations, you know, many nations are mentioned in that uh, this little prophetic uh, oracle uh, that it, that it would uh, it would be overthrown, this terrible downfall, um, and would be scraped bare like that. So, but here in in Asterix, in Roman times, which is after Nebuchadnezzar, after the Greeks, um, here it's shown as as occupied and operating as a as a port um, you know, after it's supposed to have fallen and, and never risen again. Mm. So so it kind of makes you think, well, what's what's happening there? Yeah, so something's not right, I suppose. Is it is mm. someone's got it wrong? Um, is that is the yeah? Is well, what, I mean, what what, what, are, what are the what are the possibilities there? Yeah, well, I guess so. The possibilities are that the prophecy wasn't right, and yeah. it, you know it yeah. didn't get overthrown permanently, yeah. and so therefore Asterix is right. Um, or there's a historical inaccuracy in the Asterix books. That's which, that's entirely possible. It's quite possible. Yeah. <laughs> so we need yeah. to think about yeah. that. So that I would you know the prophecy would be right. Yeah. I wasn't wasn't there as a trading port at the time. That's it, isn't it? Or is there? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess there's there's probably, and we'll look at the text of the, of the of the prophecy in a moment. And it's probably possible that there are nuances which mean that actually yeah. both of them are right to some degree. Okay, um, uh, maybe one right more than the other. Um, yeah, yeah asterisks. I don't think the authors were setting themselves out to um, to be you know, historically accurate, chronologically accurate. There's all sorts of <laughs> anachronisms, but there we go. Yeah, but it, but it, it raises is. the question, doesn't it? And you know, yeah. it, is this it, are these sort of prophetic oracles, the things in the Bible, the way that they're written? Is it something we need to look at as black and white? Did this happen or did it not happen mm. exactly the way that I think it should have happened based on my reading of it? Or yeah. it, are there some nuances that we need to think through? And and it, yeah, yeah this, this is a great test case, I think. Well, I yeah, and, and that's 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 kind of exactly what it is. It's, it's a test case because it's a relatively short passage. Um, it's about yeah. 14 verses. Um, and it has a clear connection with history and an interaction with, with history. Yeah. Um, and I think just looking at what the what the text says 
and then thinking about well, what actually happened in history yeah. can just help us to understand how to read that kind of prophetic mm. oracle better mm. and use the language and understand the language that's being used um, yeah. better. There's, there's another interesting aspect, which I, I hope we'll come on to at the end, which is about how biblical locations and, and, and the characteristics of, their lo- of those locations are highlighted by, by the, the Bible text and, and what that possibly can um, can teach us as well. Okay, uh, sounds good. Brings us on to something that's perhaps a bit more relevant to, to the modern day. Yeah, okay, good. That sounds really good. Just before we sort of dive in a bit further, we we did do something on prophecy, didn't we, as well? In fact, it's the very first episode, so even further back. It is, yeah. We, uh, yeah. we talked about prophecy and faith and, you know, what the role of prophecy, what the purpose is and things like that. So that's a relevant episode to, to listen to if you haven't already done so. Yeah, Just, I, think, uh, I think that was you and me on Nebuchadnezzar's image. Yeah, but more generally about prophets not necessarily being predictive as their main function. So, but, you know, there's elements of prediction yeah. in there for sure. And yeah. and this is something that we're you know going to deal with right now. So... So yeah, okay, good. So it's nice to develop some of the older things that we've we've talked about and mm. you know, take them a step further, which is really good. So le- what do we know about Tyre then? Um, um, well, we've mentioned already that it's a uh, an island, or it was an island, okay, uh, just off the coast of what is Lebanon today. It, it was uh, a, 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 fort- a fortress, essentially on this island and for a period it was it was very powerful and there's probably two periods in the biblical history that it emerges as, as important and powerful now, the first is is during the, the time of king solomon uh, when he's building the temple in jerusalem and and tyre are mentioned as supplier of cedars cedar wood mm-hmm. in that region uh, so so that's that's sort of i guess that's the 10th century bc okay and then the other period it pops up is uh, a little bit later, probably about 100, 150 years later, the time of the divided monarchy. Um, mm-hmm. And you've probably heard of Jezebel. Yeah. So she was the daughter of the king of Tyre and Sidon, mm-hmm. Baal, who, who lived for, and reigned for quite a long time. Yeah. And, and the, the power of Tyre as a trading hub really was established in that time. And it, it had lots of colonies around the coast of, of the Mediterranean mm. uh, in the sort of ninth century BC. That's sort of the height of Phoenician trading wealth power mm. so yeah so it's the phoenicians and yeah. iran sidon there's this sort of yeah they often go as a pair don't they yeah uh, sidon's on the mainland yeah yeah okay yeah. so some major trading power obviously it's a good location strategic location being on that kind of island yeah um and uh, having a, a, a good harbor so so there's sort of some of the historical things that we know about tyre and how it fits into yeah. some of the Bible text. And then we've talked about prophecies, haven't we? So we've got some of those to look at. Yeah, so, what, so should we should we look at the at yep. this, uh, this passage, this uh, prophetic oracle in Ezekiel 26? Yep, Ezekiel 26. Shall yeah. I shall I read a bit of that? Yeah. So so let's yeah, we just split it up into two bits. Let's okay. go to the end of verse six first, and then we'll go verse seven to yeah. 14. Okay, so Ezekiel 26 and the first six verses. In the eleventh year, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, because Tyre said concerning Jerusalem, Aha, the gate of the peoples is broken, 
It has swung open to me. I shall be replenished now that she has laid waste. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Tyre, and will bring up many nations against you as the sea brings up its waves. They shall destroy the walls of Tyre and break down her towers and I will scrape her soil from her and make her a bare rock. She shall be in the midst of the sea, a place for the spreading of nets. For I have spoken, declares the Lord God, and she shall become plunder for the nations and her daughters on the mainland shall be killed by the sword. Then they will know that I am the Lord. So, so you can see, see how it starts, that this trading power of Tyre um, obviously sees Jerusalem as, as, a, as a competitor. Mm. And uh, we'll, we'll look at the timing of this in a moment, but Jerusalem has just fallen for the Babylonians. And so Tyre seems to be thinking, oh, this is, this is great. Our, our, this is our chance to, to, to ascend and you know, take, take advantage of the downfall of Jerusalem um, and exploit that opportunity. And, and then the prophet gives this oracle, because you've taken that attitude, uh, then there's this um, pronouncement that the sea will come over. And it's very appropriate language for an island, mm. for it to be swept by, a, by the yeah. sea. And that's where the destruction comes from. And a, a bare rock, a place for the spreading of nets and, and so on. So, and, and a plunder for the nations, for many nations in that. Okay, so so let's let's carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and maybe I'll read the next section, which is verse 7. Um, I'll go through to verse 11. Okay. So here we go. For this says the Lord God, Behold, I will bring against Tyre from the north Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, king of kings with horses and chariots and with horsemen and a host of many soldiers. He will kill with the sword your daughters on the mainland. He will set up a siege wall against you and throw up a mound against you and raise a roof of shields against you. He will direct the shock of his battering rams against your walls. With his axes, he will break down your towers. His horses will be so many that their dust will cover you. Your walls will shake at the noise of the horsemen and wagons and chariots when he enters your gates. As men enter a city that has been free, with the the hooves of his horses, he will trample all your streets. He will kill your people with the sword. Your mighty pillars will fall to the ground mm. okay pretty bad news for tyre yeah but but that's but what what do you what do you kind of detect as the difference between that set of verses and and the the, the first section that we read there's the first bit it talks about the sea you talked a lot about that yeah and then this is well verse eight says the mainland doesn't it um yeah. sea wall against you throw up a mound against you it sounds very different y- Yes, so so the sort of things that Nebuchadnezzar is doing, um, I think it, meant, it mentions uh, your daughters on the mainland. So like the towns that were under the control of Tyre, but they're on the mainland. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar is coming against those, and he's attacking just like you would a city on land, with a siege wall and battering rounds and horses. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't really ride your cavalry uh, across the sea uh, in, into uh, into an island to an island. So 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 that doesn't sound like it's attacking an island. Um, and then we've just got three more verses, I think. So if you want to finish it off, verse yep. 12. Verse 13. 12, yep. Yeah. Okay. They will plunder your riches and loot your merchandise. They will break down your walls and destroy your pleasant houses. Your stones and timber and soil they will cast into the midst of the waters. And I will stop the music of your songs and the sound of your lyres shall be heard no more. I will make you a bare rock. You shall be a place for the spreading of nets you shall never be rebuilt, for I am the Lord, I have spoken, declares the Lord God. Okay, so so what does that section sound that like? That sounded more like the first bit. Yeah, so that's yeah. that we're back to it's a bare rock, a spreading of nets. Mm. So um, so there's so there's quite quite graphic language there. Some of it is is clearly dramatic language about the sea, um, yeah, washing over the island, and then this middle section about about Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Okay. So um, how do we interpret all this then? 
what do we what do we do with these differences these different sections is do we need to read into that something a bit different yeah so so we've got we've got these these different pieces and the first section was about many nations mm-hmm. the middle section is just about Nebuchadnezzar and then it returns again to they will plunder your riches. I see. Yeah. So many, it, it's back to talking about the many nations. Yeah. So it's almost as though you've got a, a general oracle mm-hmm. and, and then a little bit in the middle kind of put into, into the middle, which is about Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and, and it's it's really interesting, actually, when you look at so the, the first section is about the plural, they, the many nations will do these things. And that last section is they will do these things. The middle section that's about Nebuchadnezzar is it's really emphasizing the singular. It's Nebuchadnezzar. He will do this. And even so, you know, see, he will set up a siege. Uh, he will direct the shock of his battle. Mm. So there seems to be something different going on with that. And it, it's, that's very specific, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I think what we possibly have here is, is, is something that has a, a prophetic, predictive element, but also there's something going on at the time of Ezekiel, mm, okay. uh, which he's giving a sort of live commentary on. And, um, and we know that we've got a timestamp at the beginning of this chapter. Oh, yeah. Just says in the eleventh year, ah. the first day of the month. But the eleventh year of what? Um, exactly. These these dates, as they appear in Ezekiel's prophecy, are dated from the first time that the people of Israel, the, the Judeans, were exiled from from okay. Judah um, in the first year of Nebuchadnezzar. So that was eleven years previously. So we know what year that was. It, it's it's pretty much five eight six BC, mm-hmm. um, and that's the year that Nebuchadnezzar began his siege of. Okay, um, and, and he pretty quickly took the mainland parts of the uh, of, of Tyre, mm-hmm. um, the, the towns on the mainland, um, in this kind of way with a siege and battering rounds and forces, uh, traditional uh, ways, um, but couldn't take the island. He laid siege, tried to cut it off, tried to um, tried to get them to surrender, and he did that for thirteen years. Oh wow! So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long siege. Yeah, um, and a little bit later, actually, in chapter twenty nine, Ezekiel, mm-hmm. and in verse. 17 of that. There's another timestamp. And Ezekiel says, in the 27th year, in the first month, the first day of the month, word of the Lord came to me, son of man, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made his army labor hard against Tyre. Every head was made bald, every shoulder was rubbed bare, yet he nor his army got anything from Tyre for the labor. So he didn't succeed. Yeah. So that, that was 27th year. So that's like that, 16 years later from the 11th year. So Ezekiel still, Ezekiel's alive through that whole period mm. and, and is commenting on that. Mm and recognises at the end that Nebuchadnezzar failed to take the island. Now, what historians tell us is that he did end up subduing it. You know, this, the um, Anchor Yale Bible Dictionary, for example, talks about this 13-year siege, and then it ended with a treaty. And although there was a ruler, a Tyrian ruler was able to be there in place, Tyre's power after this 13-year siege was totally exhausted. Overseas territories were taken, and with the exception of, of Cyprus. So so its power is gone, basically. Mm. It, it is subdued. It's no longer, and it's never again, an independent power from that from that time. So, so there we go. So, okay, so that's the middle section we've looked yeah. at. So the commentary yeah. on this, effectively, effectively a commentary on what's happening at the time. Mm. Um, but we've got the bits at the start and the end, mm. which talk about Tyre being scraped bare as, on, as a rock. Yeah. Are we saying yeah. that didn't happen then? Nebuchadnezzar so, didn't achieve that. 
Nebuchadnezzar didn't achieve that with the island uh, town, mm-hmm. the island fortress. Um, but you're right, it talks about many nations. And you know, the Babylonians came and went. The Persians were the next major power. They had control of Tyre and it was subservient to them. And then along come the Greeks when Alexander the Great is uh, kind of chipping away at the, uh, the western edges of the, of the Persian, Persian Empire. And uh, Alexander the Great goes on this incredibly rapid um, campaign of conquest down the coast of, um, of Palestine, uh, that region, um, and comes, comes to Tyre and lays siege to Tyre. Now, he didn't get it's, tired then, did he? he just just kept going and and he so he later but he it only took him nine months uh and he managed to take the city Um, one upon nebuchadnezzar yeah so and and the way it's it's a pretty famous kind of story about the way he did it there was a fleet attacking from north and from south and he used the rubble of the mainland towns to build a causeway bridge across to the island and then he marched his army and attacked uh through the causeway and by that three-pronged attack was able to eventually take the fortress yeah okay um, so and that so the fort the walls that surrounded the island were were knocked down and the it, it was you know the as a place to live it, it was it was fairly quickly rebuilt after, after oh, right. alexander's conquest um but as you can probably imagine it, it's pretty significantly changed now yeah. because there's a causeway yeah so it, it's no longer an island yeah and it it silts up and it sort of changes the, the topography and, and the coastline the line of the coast uh, in that area and actually ends up with the heart a lot of the harbors the, the original harbors underwater so that starts to just ring uh, bells with some of the terms of this prophecy the waters coming over it yeah yeah i see so like submerging the harbors yeah things like yeah, that yeah yeah and, and and it was never independent again it was just owned by a succession of powers persian greek roman uh, and that's when it appears in asterix yeah, the black gold. Yeah, uh, so so it was there as okay. a port. It was inhabited. Yeah, um, but it wasn't the same kind of place. No, okay, as it as it had been. Yeah, and in Asterix, it's there as um, with a causeway, isn't it? It's yes. drawn. Uh, yes, I think so. Pretty accurately. So uh, yeah, yeah, and so the causeway is still there now. Um, yeah, yeah. It, can is it inhabited now? <laughs> yes, yes, you yeah. can. I mean, you can you can you can go to zoom in on it on Google Maps. Oh, well, go there, yes. Uh, but yeah, Google Maps is. Uh, a lot easier, and yeah. uh, and you can zoom in and see. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not a it's not a major, no, a huge number of, of houses there, but yeah. Okay, so so yeah, so things changed dramatically. It was bad news for Tyre. Um, definitely was taken. Mm. Many yeah. nations and you know multiple nations came up against them. Alexander the Great won effectively. Yeah, took it, and it was destroyed. But it isn't. The thing that we need to think through is that it wasn't only um, a place for spreading nets, for example. It wasn't mm. laid waste permanently as a bare rock forever. Um, like you, you just said, it wasn't wasn't long until it was kind of rebuilt yeah, and yeah. an asterisk could land there and uh, mm. on its quest for black gold. So, and so the language we've we've seen in Ezekiel sounds like total destruction and a permanent destruction. So, yeah. does that mean Asterix is right and Ezekiel was wrong? <laughs> or what? No, and, and I think this, yeah, this sort of opens up thinking about how we read the kind of language that's used in prophecies and prophetic oracles like this. Um, and it's perhaps not surprising that these sorts of passages are using poetic, dramatic, certainly dramatic language. Mm. And I think it's important that we read it that way, you know, that we don't read it like a newspaper um, of what happened. Mm-hmm. 
but that we read it as as dramatic language, you know, that is designed to make people sit up and take notice. Okay. Um, and there's a couple of aspects. Well, the first is that the, the city of Tyre, um, the name Tyre is derived from um, the, the ancient Venetian word saw, which which means rock. Okay. So, so the name of the city in, in its original language was rock. Yeah. Um, and now you don't see that, you know, it, unlike the, the Asterix books where the, the puns, the language puns have been cleverly transferred from French to, to English. We don't really see that in the English translation that we've got. You know, we read about Tyre and it says, yeah. I will make her a bare rock. So it's a play on the name of, of the city. Yeah. And, and that's a typical sort of biblical use of language. In fact, there's a, there's another prophecy. We won't, won't look at it. In, in Micah, uh, in Micah chapter one, there's a whole series of, of statements about places. It says, you know, this place, something bad will happen to, and it will be like this. And, and the phrase is a play on the name of of the place and, and that and it's it's quite a frequent mm. use of use of language and, and i think that's what that's what we've got going on here we've got the prophet saying to rock you will be a bare rock so i suppose when you can identify that sort of language you know puns mm. and play playing on the words and the names you're not necessarily going to read it in the same way as when mm. you can't see that you're, yeah. you're, you're conditioned to thinking ah oh, this is this is having a little dig because yeah you know, so yeah yeah, we're not maybe not necessarily the point of this phrase is is to convey in sort of black and white yes. this is you know 100 percent what yeah. is going to happen. This is, this is not describing a process of uh, coastal erosion uh, <laughs> no. of, of, <laughs> of taking the soil off and, and leaving bare rock. Yes, yeah. it's it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's funny a, a play on yeah it's yeah. a play on words yeah yeah. yeah. So, so that's one one aspect of it. I, I suppose the, the other is the way dis- destructions of places, particularly, are described in, in dramatic, almost hyperbolic language that that isn't intended to be taken absolutely literally. Uh, you know, that there, there was a literal overthrow of Tyre, yeah. uh, and it was never the same again. Um, and some aspects of that were very literal. You know, the harbors ended up underwater and so on. Um, so in, in Ezekiel and, and chapter twenty nine, there's there's an, an example of that. In in verse um, verse eleven, mm-hmm. uh, we looked in this chapter earlier actually, um, and it's talking about uh, is when Nebuchadnezzar attacks Egypt, and as a result, uh, verse eleven, no foot of man shall pass through Egypt, no foot of beast shall pass through it. It shall be uninhabited. 40 years. And I will make the land of Egypt a desolation in the midst of the desolated 40 years among cities that are laid waste. So, so there's a description there of Nebuchadnezzar attacking Egypt. Um, and we don't have much historical information about that attack, but I'm pretty sure that it wasn't literally true that no foot mm. of man or beast set foot in Egypt for full 40 years. Mm. So, so what, what, I mean, what do you think is going on there? What, why is that described in that way? Yeah, well, one thing that jumps out at me is the use of the word uh, use of 40 years yeah because 40 crops up a lot in the bible doesn't it and is clearly a, pretty much a sort of symbolic mm. or has, has meaning beyond just a simple sort of numeral you know counting up <laughs> it's not just a numeral yeah and um, it's often connected with a generation but, yeah but but the, the time period 40 in connection with egypt Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, so coming out of Egypt yeah. and going into the wilderness, the children yeah. of Israel did did that, and so then, Israel came out of Egypt into the wilderness. Yeah, and now that, Egypt is yeah. going to be a wilderness. But it, so so you can see it's playing on things that that have come before in the yeah. In the so, so when you point that out, it's obvious that that verse is is it, yeah is saying look what happened to these people is now going to happen to you. Mm. you know, that yeah. that's the point of it, isn't it? It's yeah. not it's not that we. Yeah, take it as an equation that we need mm. to see the the answer to. Yeah. So yeah, okay, so that's helpful. Yeah, and there's and there's another example which I think is clear, a clearer 
example, in okay. the beginning of uh, Zephaniah's prophecy, which is one of mm-hmm. the book of the twelve, one of the twelve minor prophets. Yeah. But therefore, it's difficult to find. But I've, I've made sure I've found <laughs> it and I'm ready. <laughs> um, so, so it talks about this is talking about the, the Babylonians coming on against Judah and Jerusalem, actually, coming judgment on Judah. And it says this I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares okay, the Lord. <laughs> I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea and the rubble with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. Mm. So, so again, I mean, what, what is that language? What springs to mind when I read that? Uh, that sounds like early Genesis and the flood. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? Yeah. It, it yeah. sounds like, yeah, the creation reversal. Of yeah. The, Blood, and it, I think you know it, it isn't the case that those words were fulfilled literally when Babylon came against against Jerusalem. Yeah. It's evoking the dramatic language of of the flood um, and and the devastating destruction that that yeah. that, that brought um, as a, as a warning, as a as a way to um, to get the message to to drive home. So so I think you know just going back to Ezekiel uh, and that chapter twenty six, we've got something similar going on there with these sort of phrases like scrape, like bare rock, and uh, never being rebuilt. Not being inhabited, mm. um, it's 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 using the name higher meaning rock. It's an island, so the sea sweeping over it is an appropriate image for its for its downfall. Um, so they're not phrases to be taken absolutely literally in every sense that mm. it's not be, not to be rebuilt, and be re-inhabited. Is it clearly it clearly was, but it was never the same again. I mean, let's let's be clear. It was this this predictive elements in here which are literal. Mm. Um, the harbors were underwater the walls of the fortress were never rebuilt uh, it was not an island anymore and it was not never again an, an independent tower mm. so it was brought low in mm. every sense really yeah yeah so it would be uh, unjustified to try and attribute more to the words in the prophecy mm. um than than that wouldn't it i think i think that's what, what yeah. we use language all the time like that don't we you know when you're hungry you say mm. you're starving yeah you're not, you're not starving yeah. at, yeah. at yeah. all but um all the time, I think yeah. you'd probably be able to spot yourself using yeah. the language hyperbolically. Um, so yeah, it's mm. it's fairly it's very normal to do that, mm. isn't it? it this isn't but unusual. It, yeah, but it, it's not it's not just hyperbole in 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 a vacuum, if you like. It, it's using language that's drawing on the history yeah. of the nation and, and and the sort of common history of the region, like, like the flood. Yeah, to, to dramatic effect. Yeah. Um, some of those examples. Yeah, it's a lot more sophisticated. Mm. Yeah, which is, yeah, which is great. Yeah. That's when it starts to get really, really interesting. Yeah. Okay, good. So. Um, I, th- I think I said this at, at the start. Tyre is not like a major figure, mm. a major place in the Bible, but but there's this chapter. Well, we've, what was it? We've looked at a couple of chapters in Ezekiel, haven't we? Um, there's, there's more about Tyre, isn't there as well? Um, so even though it's not, you know, not the action doesn't really happen there ever, does it? Um, <laughs> but but why are why are why is there so much? You know, yeah about it yeah I mean, it's it's a fair question i mean we've, we've just looked at half of chapter 26 but then the passage carries on chapters 27 and 28 are a poetic lament about the fall of tyre so it's, it's kind of imagining how will the peoples around the nations around react to tyre and its downfall and so, so you've got two or three chapters of that uh, and then it's mentioned again in chapter 29 as we've looked at as well so why you know why does this this place which doesn't really 
feature that much in the rest of the, the biblical story? Why does it deserve you know three or four chapters like this? And and I, I'll sort of attempt to offer a, offer an answer to that. Yeah, and it, it well, might be. Sorry. Uh, as, yeah, it, it it's not simply there to attract the criticism that you know this hasn't been fulfilled, is it? It's not. It's not simply yeah, there no. just. To, just to be a stumbling block, which yeah, yeah it's, a it's, it's probably doing something else. Yeah, and and it and it might be to do with sort of characteristics of of Tyre as a as a power when it was in its in its heyday, um, and we get that in in chapter twenty seven. So there's this lament for the peoples around. Uh, they take up a lamentation over Tyre. Um, and how what a wonderful place it was, and how wealthy it was accumulated great wealth. And, and from verse 12 of chapter 27, right through to verse 24, 25, there's, it goes around a whole list of places in the Mediterranean world, in the mm. Middle East, and saying, this place did business with you, that traded this product with you. Uh, so there's Arshish with its silver, iron and tin and lead. There's Meshech trading with you. There's actually exchanging human beings. There's a slave mm. market, all sorts of merchandise, war horses, ivory tusks, ebony, fine linen, coral, ruby, all these trappings of wealth and, and trade and, uh, and a long list of places and all the things that they're, they're trading. And the, so the characteristic that's drawn out here at Tyre is of economic exploitation, I think is the mm. best way to summarize it. It's accumulated massive wealth as, as a result of having trade going through its port. It's mm. taking, a, taking a cut of everything that goes through the port and it's just exploiting um, the, um, the, the trade uh, and the, the goods that other people need and, and it's just accumulating massive wealth. Um, and that sort of resonates with a, a different kind of lament in the New Testament. I don't know you can predict where I might mm. be going with this. Um, so in, in Revelation, yeah, we're going to Revelation. So in Revelation chapter 18, there's, a, there's another city that falls, it's Babylon mm. falls. Um, and there's a very similar kind of lament about um, Babylon uh, in Revelation 18. And uh, it has the merchants of the earth uh, wailing because of this, the city has fallen. It says the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore cargo of gold and silver and jewels and pearls and fine linen. So all kinds of articles of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, and so on, and slaves, that is human souls. So it's a very similar list to, to the things that, that Tyre, that, that were traded through the markets of Tyre. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think what we have here is, is Tyre and, and Babylon particularly, sort of put up as examples of, of the way human systems can become so exploitative mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, political and social systems can become oppressive. Um, you know, Babylon is very much synonymous with that. Mm. And, uh, and Tyre, I think, is in the Old Testament being put alongside that. Similar sort of characteristics. Yeah. More economic exploitation, I suppose, rather mm. than Babylon was just aggressive military Violence, expansion, yeah. and, and violence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the Babylonian revelation is, of course, part of that symbolic sort of structure mm. of the whole book there, which is drawing on Old Testament Babylon mm. and Old Testament Tyre. You're pointing yeah. out here as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's a kind of a uh, a presentation of human, well, all the worst things about mm. human 
systems and what they yeah. can, what they can get up to. Yeah, yeah. And, and the and the message of, about Babylon it does, it's not said about Tyre, but it certainly is about Babylon, which is you know to the faithful, you know, come come out of that, come out of her. Yeah, um, you know, don't. That's not where you want to kind of put your trust and put your allegiance. If you like. Yeah, um, it, it's it's somewhere else, and, and so I think that kind of gets us to the point of thinking about you know Tyre's role in in this narrative and in this prophecy is is something about. Here's a depiction of what happens when you know, human systems exploit um, others for, for their own gain. Um, and it's you know, it's not pretty and, mm. and, and it will be brought down. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's uh, right how we started, actually. The start of um, that chapter in Ezekiel is Tyre mm. taking advantage of the fact that Jerusalem has been has fallen and thinking mm. they can rub their hands in glee and, yeah. and, uh, yeah, and make more money <laughs> through, mm. through the situation, yeah. the misfortune yeah. of others. So, so, yeah, that makes perfect sense really to, to think that through um it's uh, it kind of leads us on to thinking um revelation would be would be good to develop more and more <laughs> wouldn't it and um i don't know if we can we can say this right now yeah. but we you're hoping to to do do a bit on revelation aren't you in a bit of a series uh, yes i think i think we've got that penciled in i'll say it's penciled in for the start around the end of may yeah so june, that's june this year so something really good to look forward to because that this is yeah let us let us into that in, in one way which is which is yeah. good yeah okay so um let's let's sort of wrap up i suppose on this on the surface there's some of these prophecies about tyre that um seem to have been fulfilled but then other parts of it seem to have well been fulfilled but then reversed effectively and so if you're reading it in one particular way you might think oh something's gone wrong you know mm. the prophecy is is has failed and you know, asterisk was right or, or long, but the Bible wasn't. But actually, what we need to read a bit more carefully and have a bit more, a uh, bit more sort of view on the way things were written. Um, yeah. Think about the the context, the the time, the fact that this is a. There are some predictive elements, but it's a bit of a live commentary of the, the things that are happening. Um, so, yeah, looking at the language and paying attention to all the the, the plays on the words and things like that. that and and it that rings true, doesn't it? I think I think that's what you'd expect. To find really, um, yeah, yeah, and, and ultimately you you expect to find something in there that is is a comment on you know the way humanity does things and the way God does things. Yeah, I think we've always right. talked about, we've talked about that, haven't we? Um, you know, theological mm. commentary on history, yeah. um, not not pure history for objective history's sake. Really, yeah. you know, there's there's a there's always an angle on it which. Um, it's always worth thinking about a lot more, such as mm. you know, um, like you've like you've taken us to Revelation, and uh, that's definitely something to think about. Yeah. So you don't get caught up and drawn into the exploitation of, of others, really, and yeah. by participating in all those all the various things. So, okay, brilliant. That was good. I I had fun. <laughs> I want to read Asterix a bit more now. Again, <laughs> go back yeah. and uh, and and find the more of the puns. <laughs> I'm sure there's many. The nuances. That's absolutely right. And see if there's any more historical uh, quirks that we can interrogate from, yeah. from aspects. So very good. So thanks, Paul, for that. Okay, it's a pleasure. And thank you all for, for listening. And uh, as always, get in touch if you have any questions or have anything that you want us to discuss or, or think about. Uh, you can go to the, our website, biblefeed.org. You can send us a message there or email us info at biblefeed.org. Until next time, God bless. And uh, we'll see you again soon. You've been listening to the Bible Feed podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're always keen to hear what you think, hear your questions or subjects you'd like us to discuss. 
Get in touch with us on our Facebook page or send a message from our webpage at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey.